Good afternoon. I'm Dr. Monique Mundesi, physician owner of Optimal Care Pediatrics located in St. Lucie West. And with me today is Dr. Marone. He's a pediatric orthopedic surgeon at South Florida Orthopedics. Um, we are going to be talking about pediatric orthopedic conditions. So welcome. So first question, can you describe the training that a pediatric orthopedic surgeon goes through? Well, um, the normal program would be uh, normal medical school and internship. Then you start an orthopedic residency, which usually lasts four or five years. And after that, you would then apply for a, what's called a fellowship, which is an extra year of training in uh, a subspecialty, such as spine surgery, sports medicine, or pediatric orthopedics. Okay. That is one year long. Okay. Okay, excellent. And what types of cases do you see regularly? Well, we see all types of cases involving patients under 18 with any kind of bone or joint problem. The Most of the patients have injuries, fractures to bones, ligament injuries, but there are other areas of pediatric orthopedics from the newborns with club feet up until the older teenagers with scoliosis, and pretty much everything in between. Do you have a special focus? My special fo focus is scoliosis and spine treatment, um, but I also take care of all the regular orthopedic uh, okay. issues as well. Everything under the umbrella. Correct. All right. And so some of these are questions that patients ask frequently, okay? Mm -hmm. So can you talk to us about knock knees and bow legs? Well, it's one of the most common conditions that mothers and grandmothers are most concerned about. Most of them are normal. Most of them, the child will grow out of them, but not all. The treatment when needed is usually very mild. It can involve special shoes, some braces to be worn at nighttime, and that will resolve the issue in up to 90% of patients. But patients who still have issues with those conditions, we usually don't get too much involved until they're at least around 10 years of age. So all the children below that usually do very well. Children's over the, that age, you have to look for other causes why they might have that and they may or may not need other treatments at that time. Okay, so what are some of the signs to be concerned? When should a parent be concerned like at a 10? Well, it was not equal on both sides. Mm -hmm. Most benign conditions would be on both feet, both knees. If there's any pain involved, that's also unusual. And if it looks like the condition is getting worse, those are all concerns. The other group, I suppose, would be around five years of age where the condition is is very severe, more than uh, any other patients of the same age group. And that's hard because all the patients' parents think it's severe. So if there's any doubt, we have them come in and, and be examined, examined. And at what age should a parent be concerned about flat feet? Well, if it's a flexible flat foot 
condition, which is fairly easy for the parents themselves to tell. For example, if they, the child stands on tiptoes and they do have an arch in their foot, similar to a ballerina standing on point, then there's really nothing to worry about. If the flat foot is stiff or it actually hurts, then those are the ones that are uh, more commonly uh, of concern. They should come for an evaluation. But even those usually just need some custom arch supports to be improved. Okay. Any specific shoe brands or types that are good for flat feet? No. The, the shoe, whatever brand it is, should have a flexible sole. So any kind of rigid soles are not necessary and they're actually uncomfortable. I prefer laces because when you tie the laces up uh, snugly, then that usually keeps the foot in the proper position. The Velcro shoes, while they're easier and faster to use, the Velcro also gets tired and the, the foot can start to sag. But beyond that, laces and a flexible shoe, no, there's no specific brand. Okay. All right. And what are your thoughts on kids wearing flip-flops? I don't, I don't believe there's any danger to wearing flip-flops, aside from them tripping and, and falling. Um, <laughs> they're, they're not the preferred shoe wear if there's something else going on, such as flat feet or, or painful feet. But otherwise, I don't, I don't have an objection to them, no. Okay. And another question we get a lot is, what are growing pains and what causes them? Well, the, the short answer is growing pains are nothing, but growing pains uh, typically occur uh, around the joints, such as the knee joints or the, uh, the anterior part of the shin. They are usually bilateral, that same pain on both sides, and they're usually worse in the evening or at night. The classic situation is where the child, often a young child, will wake up in the middle of the night and they are in significant pain. Uh, they may need to have their legs rubbed, they may need to have some ibuprofen or uh, Motrin and they typically quickly go back to sleep. Uh, they, there's nothing abnormal, they run in families and if the condition doesn't seem like that, as I said, mostly night pain, equal on both sides, then it's usually a good idea to have it evaluated. But in the vast majority of cases, it's normal and nothing to worry about. Okay. And at every well visited, I always check the baby's hips for developmental dysplasia of the hip. Uh, can you talk to us more about hip dysplasia? And sure. Risk factors? Well, they're not actually risk, fact, risk factor, factors, but it is commonly seen in firstborn children, female children, and if there's a family history, such as in a sibling or the mother. So those are the children who are more likely to have hip dysplasia. And when the pediatricians who are the ones who find the uh, issue, most of the children need no treatment 
or some benign treatment wearing a brace or a harness. Um, as long as it's picked up early, then the outcome is almost always uh, good. Okay. And so hip dysplasia is just the hip slipping out of the socket. Well, actually, it's technically the socket is shallow. You often don't have much on the physical findings. Sometimes there's a little laxity, as you said, you can feel the hip sliding in and out. But often the hip is totally normal and it's only found later because there's some discomfort in the hip. So that's not commonly picked up on a neonatal exam. The common findings on the neonatal, neonatal exam is, is, as you said, instability of the hip. Either the hip is out of the socket and you can pop it back in, mm -hmm. or the hip is very loose and you can do the opposite. You can actually move the head of the femur out of the socket. Those are the ones that the pediatricians are looking for and find. I would say almost 100% of the patients that I get are from the pediatrician. Okay, and what about hip clicks? Um, hip clicks, in the absence of any pain or any injury, such as a sports injury, um, are almost always normal. And the same thing for knee clicks. So they're often picked up by the mother who's changing the diaper, and she'll feel some click in the hip or the knee in a perfectly happy baby. Uh, it's, again, almost always nothing. It's a, a good idea to mention it to the pediatrician, but it's not uncommon and usually nothing to worry about. So many parents are concerned with in-towing, uh, commonly called, called pigeon toes. How does in-towing in infancy compare to in-towing later in life? Well, it's more common in infancy and it usually does resolve with no treatment. And the way we evaluate is try and find out if it's coming from the hip, the thigh bone or femur, the shin bone or the tibia or the actual feet themselves. And each one of them has a different way of resolving. Almost all of them resolve on their own. And while it looks different to the parents and grandparents, again, it's almost always nothing to worry about. Love it. Perfect. And when is back pain in an athlete a concern? Pretty much always something worth uh, being evaluated. The, the typical high-level athlete, such as, a, such as a gymnast or a young football player, can develop low back pain. It's usually activity-related. When they're at rest, they usually feel fine in the early stages. It hurts during the sporting activity, sometimes to the degree that they can't continue. And at those times, it also hurts after the activity, that's when it's starting to get more severe. So they may go to gymnastic practice and it hurts, but they can get through the practice. Then they go home and it hurts worse. In those situations, they should come in and be evaluated. The other case is when they have back pain that tends to travel down their leg. And in those cases, often the leg hurts more than their back. That's very rare, but that should be evaluated as well. Next question, what is scoliosis and when is that a concern? Well, scoliosis is a 
side to side curvature of the back. There's many different kinds. Some babies are born with it, but most commonly it's in the age group between 10 and about 14 is when it is first noticed. Scoliosis doesn't hurt. It doesn't make your back weak. You can do all sports, gymnastics, football, and everything. The risk is if it progresses to severe amount, then it can start to develop pain and can start to give problems even after the child is finished growing. And what are some of the different treatment options? Most of the time it's just observation. If you have uh, a child who still has lots of growth left, then we usually will see them with serial x-rays. It can be as often as every four months or it can be just once a year. If we see that the curve is getting worse and gets to a certain degree, they may need to be treated, treated with a corrective brace. And there are other treatments such as physical therapy that we sometimes use as well. Now the braces we use now do not have to be worn at school. So that takes a lot of pressure off the child, but they have to be worn all night and they have to be worn consistently. And most of the time that works and the scoliosis does not progress. Okay. Other treatments? Well, if the scoliosis gets to a certain degree um, and we've tried everything else, then sometimes they have to be uh, corrected surgically. That's very rare. Um, uh, all the children who have some scoliosis, it's about one in a thousand that needs to wear a brace. And then it's about one in 10,000 of girls who have scoliosis need to have an operation to correct it. So it's rare, but when it's necessary, uh, it is done to prevent, to prevent from pain and problems later in life, but it's uncommon. Okay, yeah, it's a tough surgery. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was a lot of really good information. Sure, well, thank you. Thanks for having us. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, we will post Dr. Moran's contact info um, on the Facebook page. Well, take care, have a good day.